Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. This week, Mae Whitman is the star of a new Hulu musical called Up Here. It is her first true foray into singing, and she said it was completely outside of her comfort zone. You stand in front of a piano with people who write Frozen, and they're all like, you know, talking about fucking B-flat or whatever. But first, it's our chance to sit back and unwind, not necessarily from the week that was, but from the last three years, no pressure, I know. With us this week, we have the hosts of the excellent new WBEZ show, Shoes Off, a sexy Asians podcast, Susie On and Esther Yunji Kang. Hi, you two. Hey. Thanks for having us. So I kind of can't believe it, but it has in fact been three years since the world completely changed from COVID. Here at WBEZ, our first day working from home was Friday, March 13th, a date I will never forget. It was a very weird and isolating time, and a lot has changed since then, but I think it's fair to say that our barometer for what normal is has completely shifted. Um, Susie, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot is just, like, the extent to which we've even had a chance to process Mm. all of what's happened over the past three years. What do you think? Uh, I'm I'm still climbing out of my pit of despair (laughs) from all of that, (laughs) right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you say that um, we haven't really had a chance to process it because it's sort of like, especially with folks who uh, were at home with kids, you know, once the kids went back to school and, you know, we continued working, you're still doing the things, you're still living the life and you know, maybe you're not necessarily all at home doing your things all at once, but it's still like you didn't get a chance to like really decompress from it. Mm -hmm. And for me, like it took some time to recognize, oh, we have incorporated some bad habits and we're, we're trying to get over them right now, you know? And it took some time to realize all the people in our house on a screen all at once that is not normal Mm. that is not good that is not healthy um and trying to break ourselves of that now but it's just like during that time of like remote learning working from home that's how the setup was and it was in a way like not only for parents to get the work done but kids to do you know school but also sometimes it's just sort of like i need you to leave me alone right now so just (laughs) Get on your iPad, watch. I don't care what you're doing. Just can you like not bother me right now? And it's almost like that. And it made me feel like after I like took a step back, I'm like, wow, that's really terrible. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. I think so much of it was that it was hard for every sort of person too, right? I mean, that sounds impossibly difficult. It also really sucked living alone and like oh, yeah. not hugging anyone for yeah. weeks at a time, yeah. you know? I mean, that it like I think it was just it's just really interesting to look back on that time and how awful it was and yeah, in a lot of ways how quickly we've kind of resumed life as usual and mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to just like sit with it. Yeah. I think what's weird is that people's memories are so short and like there was this desire to get back to normal so quick. And like, I I think there's also some like rewriting of history (laughs) now that we feel like things are back to normal. Like people are kind of like, did, did all those people really die of COVID or, you know, did masks really work? And that kind of stuff, I think gets, gets on my nerves a lot. Like it really is very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So we put a call out to listeners to ask what they learned over the pandemic. And we're going to listen to a couple of them. This one is Jenny from New Brunswick, Canada. I discovered during COVID, I am an introvert. I always thought I was an extrovert, but I realized I was an extrovert by responsibility. (laughs) I would do things because I felt I needed to, not because it's actually who I was. So I am an introvert, it turns out. (laughs) There we go. Something I learned in COVID. Good good for you, Jenny. Good for you. (laughs) Are you an extrovert, Esther? I am an extrovert, but I love introverts. Like, I don't know. I'm drawn to them. So good for you. What about you, Susie? Did you find like the social deprivation aspect difficult? Or I suppose you were just surrounded by two children and a husband. (laughs) So you're probably good on that. Uh, Well, yeah, I was I felt exhausted all the time. Uh, (laughs) No, but I I'm like a I'm like a what is it called? Like an extroverted introvert. Yeah, that's I call myself a chatty introvert. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm for sure an introvert. And the COVID just confirmed it. (laughs) Let's listen to another voicemail. This is my cousin Sonia. I learned not to take anything for granted, Mm. especially things as simple as hugging my friends and going to eat at my favorite restaurant or watching a movie um, or just being able to talk to people in person. Mm. And I will hopefully never take that for granted again. Mm. Love you. Bye-bye. I love you too, Sonia. So sweet. (laughs) So what have you two learned about yourself? I think the not taking things for granted Mm. is a really good one. I feel Mm. like I'm so much more uncomfortable with uncertainty than I was before. Mm. Just because so much of navigating the pandemic was like, well, I guess we'll take a COVID test tomorrow and then see if we're going on vacation. You know? Yeah. You know, I I lost my grandmother during COVID. And, Mm, you know, thank you. She was, you know, she didn't die of COVID, but I lost her to COVID. And that, you know, what I mean by that is um, she didn't get visitors during, uh, during that time. And Mm. she just, it was failure to thrive. You know, she, this happened to a lot of seniors during that time. And I think like, I don't remember exactly, but I think she lost like upwards of 80 pounds and she passed away looking like nothing like herself. And it was, um, I'm sorry. I I, I think I'm like bringing this show down (laughs) with my sad, uh, sad stories, but there's a lot of loss. And so I'm not sure if that means that, you know, I need to take things and not take things for granted or what the lesson is here. But I think that um, we need to process that loss somehow. And I, I, we have to find time for that. And maybe that's my lesson. Like I need to find time for that, but I I haven't been able to. And, and, and that's, I think a problem. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I think that's speaking of like, well, we just went right back to it. So like, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Susie, is there anything you think you've learned about yourself over the past three years? It's interesting, I think. And maybe this is true for a lot of people, but just uh, having that time to kind of reflect mm. on just like the situation and and not and then and then, you know, like making sure to have that time for yourself. Like I, I learned that I, I kind of needed that mm. to be able to like you know i always say like the the pit of despair because that's what what it always felt mm-hmm. like but like to like really just like climb out of that to like really stop reflect here are the things that are permanent in your life that are good and that will help you thrive even if it's hard to find them but they're there yeah. take the time to to recognize them so that you can keep going that's beautiful so yeah speaking of holding on to things is there anything that maybe you've adopted during the pandemic that you want to keep doing? I mean, I think about like the lack of underwire bras in my life and I feel pretty <laughs> good about that shift. <laughs> wow. And now that you said that, I realized I stopped wearing underwire bras uh-huh. at that time too. I, I'm strictly a bralette person now. Like those, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. That is really interesting. Hmm. Uh, sweatpants. I feel like I wear... Mm. Sweatpants a lot. Uh, I love I love uh, not having to be at an office every day. Um, I want to keep doing that for the rest <laughs> yeah. of my life. For sure. Um, but and then like the big thing really isn't just, you know, like ha- having to go to a physical office. It's really more just like that balance of um, there's just so much stress in having to pick up children oh, on yeah. time from a place mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, that like. I didn't realize how much of that like kind of created a lot of uh, stress and anger in Mm. me. And then once like that was gone, I was like, oh, people eat dinner at (laughs) before seven o'clock. What? (laughs) You know, and it's like stuff like that, that like, yes, let's keep doing that. I I don't want to go back to that ever. I also um, really love the idea of wearing a mask when you are sick yourself. Like, yeah, uh, that's something that or even just even to protect yourself a little bit more from other people being sick. Like like Susie and I know that like in Korea, in South Korea in and in a lot of Asian countries, people have been doing this for years. And like right. I remember like I would watch this in like K- K-dramas or something and just be like, wait, why are they wearing this mask, you know, mm-hmm. in the winter? It should be normalized, but I, I'm afraid that that's going to go away <laughs> soon here, too. So mm. who knows? Who knows? I hope we hold on to that. I do yeah. think there has been like a bigger cultural uh, respect or respect isn't even right. Well, maybe respect for staying home when you're sick, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which I really appreciate, too, because I feel like that was, you know, I feel like in the before times, if you showed up with a cold to work. Yeah you'd get pat you know it's like good for you yeah. for showing up even <laughs> right, you're sick right. and i think that has really shifted where now it's like yeah. hi you're a biohazard why are <laughs> you here, here. <laughs> well Susie esther thank you both very much for coming on and reflecting with me a little bit it was really nice oh thanks, thanks greta greta after the break, the delightful May Whitman. You may know her from shows like Arrested Development, where she played George Michael's girlfriend, Anne Veal. I'm here to pick up my son's girlfriend. She ran off the last time we were leaving. Actually, I, I was sitting right there the whole time. Yeah, way to plant, Anne. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, 
crew and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Our next guest is actor and singer Mae Whitman. She's been in the biz since she was a kid. I loved her as Anne Veal in Arrested Development. Yes, her. She also played one of the kids in The Amazing Tearjerker Parenthood. And more recently, she was in a squad of moms who dabble in crime in the series Good Girls. Now she is in a musical on Hulu. It's called Up Here. And May is the main character, Lindsay, who upends her life in Vermont to move to New York and become a writer. Gee, it's nice to really know someone and understand the things they say and do. Gee, it's nice to really know someone and know that someone really knows you too. The way that they do their hair. The style of the clothes. She's got a lot to contend with, though, especially the cast of characters in her head who are more or less telling her all the wrong things. May, welcome to Nerdette. Hi, I'm happy. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I love it. Thank you. So I mentioned there are all these voices in Lindsay's head. Her mom, her dad, there's her best friend from sixth grade. They're all there. They're all telling her things. Do not say it. Careful now. Keep it to yourself, Linz. I guess I just have all these voices in my head all the time, you know? Now you've done it. And the voices... They told you not to tell me? I don't mean imaginary friends or, like, the devil made me do it. I'm talking about, you know, everyone has them. The voices that say, don't say how you really feel because people will hate you if you do that. Later on, we meet Miguel, who's Lindsay's love interest in the series. And both of them are struggling a lot to be more vulnerable and, like, embrace the messiness of life. And... In this universe, I'm wondering, like, does everyone have voices in their head or is it just these two? And that's partly what makes their relationship so special. You know, I think it's sort of like up in the air. I think specifically in this universe, you really only see their voices. And it is kind of like once they sort of understand that about each other, that, you know, they're both kind of operating from this place of who they think they're supposed to be according to the voices in their head and doing what they quote unquote should do or not do, et cetera. And I think like, because they've both been operating from that place and it sort of led them astray. um, I think that is a big part of what makes them connect. But I think like in general, part of this show and what makes it so special is I think it like encourages some compassion because you realize like, everyone has this, everyone has a huge world going on in their head, even in the tiniest moments about little things. So hopefully you kind of, when you see somebody walking down the street, you're like, I wonder what little song they're singing about right now. And what huge world they have going on, you know, and how that might like inspire a little bit more gentleness in the world. Well, I think too, we all have voices in our heads, right? And we're all kind of trying to navigate the stories we're telling ourselves and like so often they are just like patently untrue, but we're these voices keep telling us. So it's really hard to contend with that, you know? 
I listen to a lot of Tara Brock, like her podcast. Oh, she cool. always asks the question, is it real or is it true? And yes. it's like, it's almost always real. And I think that's a really important part of acknowledging the story and acknowledging the defense mechanisms that are there to try to keep you safe. Like, yes, it's real. Those things are real. And the things that other people think that you may not agree with, it's real and it's real for them. But then you kind of have to figure out what's actually true and how you want to operate and how you want to actually put forth your life. You know, I did a fun um, exercise with my best friends at dinner the other day where we we were like, let's like name our, because we were talking about how your defense mechanisms, they're almost like like imaginary friends, like monsters, like mine looks like Medusa. And there's like, because I'm an overthinker and I have like all, every snake is a different way to go. Oh, and what if I go yeah. this way? And what if I go that way? You know, but ultimately it's this, you know, feminine energy character who wants to keep me safe. And I think is just sometimes a little bit misguided. So I think turning mm. to face her and acknowledging her and then saying, I appreciate you. I hear you. I just, I'm not going to operate from that place and I don't need you right now. You know, it's, it's been really beneficial for me to kind of name that. Yeah. Yeah. The show is so sweet. It's so full of heart. I think one of my other favorite themes also is like the idea of having the audacity to say that you're more than you might be at a given moment. I think about that, especially with your character, Lindsay, who like from the get go is like, no, I'm a writer, you know, and she arguably hasn't written much of anything, but it's like she knows that's the direction she wants to head and she's gonna figure it out as she goes along, which I just love. I love that too. Like, I feel like it's the mark of like a really well-written character and a really well-written story when the dots are all there and all you do is connect them. And I feel like the idea of vulnerability being like strength is, is something that I feel like we've all sort of forgotten about these days. And, you know, it's one of the reasons mm. I love Miguel so much is like, he is yes. a who is so it's like the talk about like still waters running deep. He's got this very sort of cool, calm and collected top. And then underneath it is this like deep, deep vulnerability and emotion and compassion and kindness. And you feel this person's heart. And, and it's almost like he's like too sensitive and raw for this. Yes. Work, you know? yes. I think yeah. that's something a lot of us feel right. I mean, I, when the pandemic started, I truly was having trouble functioning. I was like, how are we supposed to like wake up and, and, and have breakfast when this is happening? Like what, how do we do this? And honestly, I still struggle with it. Well, can you believe it's been three fucking years? I hope they credit these years back at the end of the life. They're like, okay, (laughs) go ahead. This was not fair. We totally fucked you on this. Like, because I'm like those and by the way I needed those years that was like the end of my 20s the beginning of my 30s I needed that transition into being like well oops my body is betraying me oops I can't (laughs) have any wine without waking up in the night sweating oops like I needed I needed that time to process that I feel like I just got like all of a sudden I'm like why is my body broken why can I not have pizza without paying for it you know what I mean? I'm dead serious. I'm like, maybe we petition that it's like you, everyone gets three years to just like fuck off and do whatever you want. Like we've all experienced trauma that we are not even aware of Mm-mm. yet. And I think Mm-mm. like, hopefully this show at least encourages some form of introspection and like tenderness and gentleness. It's really wonderful. It's so lovely. Um, so you are a singer. You've done a lot of voice acting, but is this, is it fair to say this is like your biggest like singing gig? Oh yeah. First of all, it was so chic when you introduced me as actor singer. <laughs> that made me feel very cool. So thank you. Oh good. I'm so glad I could help. 
So I, yeah, this is definitely my first like true foray into singing. And it's so funny, like, you know, all of when you're like an artist, God help me, there's like, you, you have a tool that sort of feels yeah. like easy. You're like, like for me acting, I'm they're like, muscles. Yeah. yeah they're muscles. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Like who cares? You go in, you do it. You're crying hysterically. You're naked. You're whatever. It's all the same. You know what I mean? And like, so for me, that's not scary. It's not vulnerable. It's not anything like that. That's how I, that's what I feel comfortable with. But I feel like singing is the one medium where I am. It was so hard for me to think about it as a muscle because it feels like a like terrifyingly vulnerable expression of my soul. Mm. And then my voice is tight. And my chest is clingy and I'm crying. You know, it's like, I feel bad for my family and friends. Cause like for two months, it was just me being like, I can't do it. I'm so scared. What's going to, and they were like, Jesus Christ, you can do it. Relax. You know, um, <laughs> at least now I, I know I can do it. And I honestly, that's like a confidence that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. Cause I really did not think I had what it took. Honestly, girl, you can absolutely do it. It's so scary. It's like you're doing it. Oh, you stand in front of a piano with people who write Frozen and you're (laughs) like, and they're all like, you know, talking about fucking B flat or whatever. Does that exist? Does B flat exist? That's the one that Yeah, there's a B flat. I know there's one that doesn't. B sharp. Yeah, thank you. I think for me, the thing that I found really interesting that I hadn't quite connected until watching these episodes yesterday was the idea that like one thing that's really cool about a musical, I think especially, well, I guess not necessarily even on the screen, but just in general, is that you can get to the interiority of a character that you just can't in like a normal standard like dialogue show or movie. You know what I mean? And applying that to like... A, a vulnerable personhood is so fascinating as opposed to it being like, you know, about some giant whatever issue. It's like the things that feel giant to you, you know, sending a text message, the inner things that are so tiny, but to you like become blown into this, like in your inner world, this giant thing and all the things that are behind it. I mean, like, I love, you know, when Lindsay says like, she's, she went to like a weird underground sex kiss <laughs> with <laughs> With Brian Stokes Mitchell, which yes, she did in general, there that filming that was insane. There was like flopping dildos, and like I mean, Lord, it was quite the experience. But you know, I think like I love that, like that, even just that sentence, like it's always scarier what's in your imagination, right, than like what's actually mm. happening. So I feel like going into Miguel's like world of just like see creating the nightmare of like what he envisions happened between Lindsay and this guy, you know, is that happens to all of us. You build this giant world. Oh, there's so many ways you are going to get hurt. Has she been to my place? Have I been up her skirt? You can't know. You can't know. She will not tell you so. So you'll go and imagine a slow blow by blow. And there in your head, I'll be so good in bed, you'll concoct that her cooch likes my cooch there instead. When I do the deed, every dame's in a daze. My deed does it deeper in so many ways. So how did filming work in general with this? Like, are you are you singing when you're filming the scenes and then you go back in studio and sing? Or are you just lip syncing in the scenes? Like how what's happening? May? We, seriously, I'm like, Lord, take a seat. 
Um, you're already sitting. Basically, it was like we actually it was sort of like camp. We set up a whole recording studio above uh, a dance rehearsal studio. And for we got there a month early and the entire month we were going back and forth between dance rehearsal and and recording. And so basically we recorded an album, the entire album in a month. And it was so oh interesting God. because we didn't we hadn't filmed anything yet, but you know, it was, then it made the actual filming so easy. Cause you're like, Oh, I remember this. I know what headspace I was in with this. I know what this means. They were very adamant about when we were singing and lip syncing, you sing it loud. Don't care. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Cause you don't want to see some shit that, you know, is like half-hearted. Yeah. No, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Well, and I could see too, like then you're able to add these extra layers of meaning onto the songs once you are actually acting them out, right? Because you already know the music so well. And I feel like that's always such a blessing. I used to feel that way about like playing characters that were slightly younger than me, where I would be like, oh, I feel like I'm cheating because I have a little bit of a perspective on this phase in this person. Hmm. That outside perspective actually is what allows you to remember what it was like to be in it. That's really cool. Do you feel like you had that with the rest of development? Because I was thinking about you with that character, like... I mean, you're so funny. You're hilarious. It's so well done. But like just imagining having to play that character that's such a like, I mean, you know, she's called Bland and like how much as a teenage girl, it's like, oh, like that. Honestly, it was the dream come true. I've always was been. It? Like, yeah, I don't. I've always made like a, a true meal of to me, it's the most fun to play characters like that like things that it, it's it should be fun like I don't want to be like concerned like oh my god my you know face is drooping in the shot of the you know, it's like I it is it's hard to it's you struggle with that but I'm like for me it's like it's actually an important exercise in life to not take myself so seriously and to remember what's important and to prioritize yeah you know, lightness and joy. And uh, to me, that show is like truly the funniest show of all time. And oh my God. Like Michael, Sarah and Alia are like some of my best friends anyway. And then you you could feel like history being made because everybody was like, what mm. is this? It's so funny, but we don't know. Yeah. It's strange. And, you know, so to be able to be a part of that, it was fun too, because I'm like so expressive naturally that it actually was like hard for me to like flatten. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, be flat. Believe in this. You can do this. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it makes sense because comparing you, especially to something like parenthood, that was just all, you know, like heart on your sleeve, just like, (laughs) yes, I've definitely been to the pendulum has swung its little swing in my long career. (laughs) It's really cool. I mean, I have to say it's been really fun to see you over the course of all of that because you do it all so beautiful. I just like I just love watching you do stuff. Thanks, Greta. That's really like my dream to hear someone say that. In all this crazy world, there's one thing I am certain of. Well, May, thank you so much. This was such a treat. Thank you, Greta. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for your thoughtfulness. Regardless of how much we talk, we tell, we touch, no matter what we suffer through.
All right, that's it for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. Don't forget our book club discussion of Rebecca Mackay's novel, I Have Some Questions for You, is right around the corner this coming Tuesday. And, of course, we've got an episode for you next Friday as well. And in the meantime, if you want to keep in touch or hang out, a great place to do that is our Facebook group. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash HQ. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bowen. J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter every week, and Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Have a great weekend. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.